today. Um, like Pastor um, Chris was saying, this is home team weekend. So we get to share this weekend. John, Pastor John spoke for a service. I get the opportunity to share this service. And Lisa will be tonight at our 5 o'clock service. So feel free to come back because you want to hear that message as well. Um, like they were saying, I'm brand new to this team. It's an honor and a privilege to be on this team. But I just want to take a moment because I know I don't know a lot of you yet. And I know a lot of you don't know me yet. So I just wanted to share a little bit about me with you guys and kind of my journey how I ended up here. So um, I want to introduce some of my family to you guys. Some of my family's here today, over here. Note to self, if you preach, just bring your own fan section. It helps a little bit. <laughs> it's guaranteed last and amen. All right. So, but first off, this is a picture of my husband, Josh. So we got married three years ago. We went to North Central University, um, graduated, got married, went on our honeymoon, came back and a week later moved to Ohio. Both of our families all live here. So it was a big deal. We kind of moved away. I did an internship out there. That was my connection. And we went back to be on staff as kids pastors out at that church in Ohio. And then just about a few months ago, we were there for about two and a half years. We moved back. We just felt like it was time to come back and be with family. So we moved back, and then this is where we ended up after that. Um, we can show the next picture of my family. I have a large family. There's a lot of us. This picture is actually my nephew's first picture, first day out of the hospital. He's so cute. Um, but for those of you who don't know, the far left, the blonde, longer blonde hair than me, is my sister, Lindsay. And she is actually the kids pastor at our Apple Valley campus, one of the kids pastors there. And it's just so much fun to be able to do ministry and life with my sister at the same time. Um, we just have a really big heart for the next generation because they are the future of our church and the future of our world. And let me tell you, those kids are hungry for God. And it's so fun to be able to be a part of that ministry and it's really fun to be a part of it with my sister. Um, we went to camp a few weeks ago. How many of you in the room went to camp? Yes. Some of them are still recovering, it's all right. It's like two weeks ago, but counselors don't get very much sleep. But just for those of you who don't know, this campus alone, the Shakopee campus, brought 165 kids this year to kids camp. Yeah. It was awesome. So this picture, <laughs> so one thing about my family is we are all super competitive. Um, and like I said, my sister's a kids pastor, so we were color team pastors, so we led different colors, which is a group of kids at camp. And yes, we get to pray with kids, and that was the main point of camp, and God moved. Seriously, if you have a kid who went to kids camp and they haven't told you about what God did in their life, ask them about it. Because I'm telling you, God spoke to every single one of those kids at camp. But we also get to lead rec time in games, and so I just want to share a really embarrassing moment with you guys. I have a competitive spirit in me that brings out my alter ego sometimes. And this was a moment, you can put it back up for a second. That was a moment after winning a round of musical chairs. Simple game. <laughs> Simple game. However, it was a big deal because I'm super competitive and it was an embarrassing moment and it happened to be caught on camera. So be careful because everything can be out there nowadays. Um, but yeah, camp was awesome. My family's super competitive. I'm super competitive. Um, and I just was able to get to be with my sister there and be really competitive there at camp. So I just want to share a little bit about myself with you guys. We are jumping into our series week three. We are talking about kingdom culture. And this series has been based on talking about 
switching from becoming a follower of Jesus to truly becoming a disciple of Jesus. So the first two weeks, week one, Pastor Rob spoke about um, disciples are fully committed to Jesus. So we have to be all in for Jesus. And last week, he talked about loving our neighbors and how we are called to love those in our community around us. And this week for Home Team Weekend, I get the opportunity to talk about having a servant's heart. And disciples, as a disciple of Christ, we are called to serve. Um, and I just want to give honor really quick to our leaders in the church, Pastor Chris and Hannah, here at this campus specifically. And then Pastor Rob, yeah, we can clap for them. And Pastor Rob, um, just leading this church as a whole, their heart truly is from him down to help disciple and pour into leaders in the church, and especially just other staff members. And I think it's so cool that they give an opportunity on a weekend like this for us to step into something that we don't get to do very often, just so that we can have opportunities to grow and stretch ourselves. So thank you guys for believing me and giving me this opportunity. I'm excited. Um, before we jump into today's topic, I'm just taking a minute to pray over us and just ask that God would just lead us and help all of us to be open. So let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for giving me a chance to share words that I believe you have given to me, Lord, something that you have laid on my heart for this room and the people in this room today. God, I pray we'd be open to what you have to say and that we would be willing to respond and act and move, Lord Jesus, on what you want us to do. In your name, amen. So we're talking about having a servant's heart. And as I process this message, I'm kind of a verbal processor. So I talked to um, some other speakers who were speaking this week in other campuses, just some family members, some mentors. And as I was kind of going through this message and had the flow of it and what I want to say, and, and this is such a huge topic, but it's so important, I believe, for the church, I thought that in order to start, I think we have to talk about how having a servant's heart is more easily said than done. So I thought, you know, it's so funny, I feel like if you were to ask me, just being honest, if somebody was like, hey, do you have, would you say that you have a servant's heart? I'd probably answer yes pretty quickly. But then if I really think about it, I, I had pause and think, you know, but there are times in my life that that's been hard. It's been easier to say, yes, I have it, than to actually do it. So I just want to start this message off by talking about some things that could possibly get in the way of having a servant's heart for myself and maybe you guys in this room today. Um, I think the first thing that really hinders us from having a servant's heart is pride. Um, our flesh, our natural tendencies, can be to be prideful. So as funny as it was to show that picture of me in my power stance on stage in front of kids at kids camp, that's a real thing for me. My competitiveness, when it's not in alignment and submitted to Jesus, can lead me down a negative path, and it can lead me to pride. I become self-centered, I become rooted in myself, and I can just be inwardly focused, and my competitiveness can spur me on to focus on how can I gain things, how can I get recognition, how can I get higher leadership, how can I take a step forward in my job, or how can I be better than those around me, because our natural tendencies are to be about ourselves and inwardly focused, and that's a real thing that I struggle with personally. So it's a prideful thing. I think pride is something that hinders us from having a servant's heart. Um, I think another thing that is hard for us to do is having a servant's heart requires sacrifice. And I think it's easy for us to think and say that we're sacrificial, but when it really comes down to it, it's not the easiest thing to do sometimes. Having sacrifice requires giving things of ourselves without necessarily getting stuff in return. And how many of you know it's easy to pour out when you know you're going to get something back? But that's not what having a servant's heart is about. We are called to pour out without receiving anything in return. 
Um, and I just, as I was processing this, I thought, you know, it's funny because we're, we're raised and brought up and taught that we should want things in return. We should do things to get things in return. Growing up, I um, had chores, so before I could have a job, kind of that in-between where you're starting to go with friends more, but you don't have income yet, and you're asking your parents for money all the time. <laughs> My parents decided that we could do chores, and we could earn money through doing chores, so at a young age, I kind of grasped this concept that if I surf and I pour out, I get things in return. Now, I'm not saying that's bad, because it taught me a lot about stewardship and knowing what to do with my money and tithing and saving and all those things, so it's not bad. But I just thought at a young age in this world, we are taught to receive things when we do an act of service. And so sacrifice is something that is not always natural for us if we know we are not going to receive something in return. So I just want to start with those things because I think it's important for us to be aware that in order to have a servant's heart, we have to know the things that can possibly hinder us from having a true servant's heart. And I think that those things are pride, being willing to be selfless, and being, being willing to sacrifice in comparison with others. We just can't compare ourselves with those around us. So once we're aware of those things, and once we know the things that hold us back and hinder us from a possible servant's heart, I think we have to take a moment and learn that in order to have a servant's heart, we have to have a change of heart. In order to have a servant's heart, we have to choose to have a change of heart. So I was just thinking about this. Um, when we are rooted in ourselves, I just have this image of us literally like being rooted in ourselves, being inwardly focused, building up in ourselves. And when we are Christ followers and we accept Jesus into our lives, we are called, the Bible literally tells us that we are supposed to change from being rooted in ourselves to rooted in, being rooted in Christ and being rooted in Jesus. And I'm going to um, read a text that I think gives us really clear instructions on what it is to change from being rooted in ourselves to being rooted in Christ. If you guys were doing your soap the past few days, this was a scripture that um, was in our soap, and I thought it spoke so clearly to this. So in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So it literally says, it tells us word for word, we are not supposed to be rooted in ourselves, but once we follow Jesus, we are to be rooted in Christ, and we are supposed to be built up in who he is. But I don't know if you guys are like me. I like instructions. I like clear things. But how many of you are glad the word of God gives us instructions on how to do that? So literally in the next, ver in the next chapter, chapter 3, it says, it, this section is titled, Putting on a New Self. So it's going to give us instructions on literally how to put on a new self. And I'm going to start reading in, in verse 5. It says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. I had to practice that word just so you know. <laughs> Which is idolatry. And then we jump down to verse 8. It says, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. It literally is describing when we are rooted in ourselves. it's describing who we are when we do that and how we are when we do that. And it's telling us we need to begin to strip those things away. But the good news is it tells us what we're supposed to put on instead. So we jump to verse 12 and it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, 
forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It literally is telling us in our old selves, we might have sexual immorality, impurity, those kind of things, but when we're rooted in Christ and we're rooted in a new person, we need to strip those things away and we need to have compassionate hearts and we need to have kindness. When we're rooted in ourselves, we have anger and we have unwholesome talk and that's what's on us, that's who we are, that's, that's what we reflect. But when we shift and we go into being rooted in Christ, we need to have patience, humility, and meekness. I believe that we're supposed to shift from being rooted in ourselves to being rooted in Christ in order to truly have a servant's heart. We have to have a change of heart by choosing to have the heart of Jesus Christ and reflect the heart of Jesus Christ. This, these verses were written by a man named Paul. And when I think about um, Paul and the scriptures, um, Paul was probably the greatest example of a man who had a radical transformation of his heart. He was a guy um, who persecuted Christians openly. So he literally went around, and if people said they were Christian, he persecuted them for being a believer of Christ. But God had a different plan for his life, and he got a hold of his heart, and he changed him from the inside out, and he uprooted him from being self-planted, and he planted him in Jesus, Jesus planted him in himself. And Paul then goes on throughout the whole New Testament to begin to tell us about how we can be a servant for Jesus Christ. In Philippians 2, 3 through 4, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. If we are truly servant-minded, we don't care about us getting the credit, we begin to truly only care about God getting the glory. And that's a change of heart. We begin to stop caring about what we give away and how we can receive something in return. And we begin to focus on how what we give away is giving the kingdom glory and giving God glory because that's what we're called to do as believers and Christians and believers in the faith. Yes. Thank you. All right, sorry. I talk with my hands and then I whip this thing off. <laughs> All right. So yes, we are called to change our hearts. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I was thinking, well, of course, as believers, our hearts are with Jesus. We're focused on Jesus. But again, coming back to my personal struggles, when I'm not in alignment, my competitive spirit is not surrendered to Jesus, and I'm centered in myself, and I'm focused on myself, my treasures are not focused on heaven. My treasures are focused on self-gain, self-promotion, being better than other people, and that reflects, because that's where my heart is. And I have to choose daily to surrender myself to Jesus and ask for his heart and his, give me a spirit of humility so that I can truly begin to reflect the heart of Jesus. Matthew 23, 11 says, the greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest among you must be a servant. In our culture, that's so opposite of what we're taught. It's the opposite of what our world shows us when it comes to leadership. It's, what the, it's opposite of what our greatest leaders do because Jesus was different than the world. Amen? Jesus was different than the world. C.S. Lewis defines humility by saying, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I'm going to say it again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. 
So when we submit ourselves and we come under people and we serve people and we maybe think that we're lowering ourselves from the, the place of leadership that we should be at, it's, we don't begin to think of ourselves as, well, I'm just not good enough. I don't deserve those things. I shouldn't have those things. No, we're not called to do that because we're sons and daughters of Jesus and we are worthy of his glory and his praise. But we are called to think less of ourselves so that we can think of others more. Because when Jesus was on earth, he didn't think about himself. He didn't think about himself at all. If he thought about himself when he was walking down the road, he wouldn't have noticed the lame man laying there. He wouldn't have noticed him because he would have been focused on himself. But he did. Time and time and time again, Jesus did not care about himself so much that he was able to always see the people around him. He was always willing to see those who were around him. So once we have a change of heart, what are we called to do with it? What does God call us to do once we have a change of heart? We are ultimately called to love God and to love our neighbor. Pastor Rob kind of talked about that last week, but I think that it fits in with servanthood still to this day. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are literally called to serve others. That's it. In this world, at the end of our lives, when we get to heaven and stand before Jesus, I want to be able to say that I gave my all and I served those around me because that's what Jesus did and that's what he called us to do. So how do we do that practically? What are literally physical, tangible ways that we can practically serve others? Um, we talked about this earlier, but... Um, serve days coming up, and I believe that we are called to practically give and sacrifice our time, energy, and our resources. But here's the catch, without expecting anything in return. We are called to give our time, which is precious, and I know it, our energy, which some of you don't have a lot of, especially if you got kids, and our resources, which might be limited, but you still have them. We all have them. We are called to give all those things Without, respect, without expecting anything in return. Because let me tell you something. It's a shift. When we are rooted in ourselves and we are inwardly focused, when we give, we expect to receive because we are, we are banking on being refilled by those around us. We are counting on other people to fill our tanks because we're pouring out and we're rooted in ourselves. But it's a shift when we're rooted in Jesus we begin to be able to give selflessly to those around us and God fills us. And this will never ever last. We will constantly be searching for more and more fulfillment. But when you're rooted in Jesus and he is the one who fills you, it will last forever. His fulfillment will last forever. Um, just a personal story. We should, when serving our community, um, in my church in Ohio, we used to do a serve day all the time. We would go to downtown Columbus and we would serve the homeless people meals. And it wasn't required for staff to go. And it was on Fridays, which were our days off. And for a long time, I was like, I should go, but I'm not gonna. And I'm busy and I need to run errands. And sometimes my excuses were real and sometimes they weren't real. But finally, one time I went I just decided, all right, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to serve. And I didn't even do them a favor because I didn't sign up online. So they didn't even know I was coming. So they didn't have a role for me. Sign up online, it helps. <laughs> um, I, so I showed up and I'm like, hey, I'm here. 
I'm going to serve. What do, you, what do you guys want me to do? And they were kind of like, oh, well, we're glad you're here. But, and then um, the guy who was leading it said, you know what? We do a kid's table. And we have prizes that we give away. And we do face painting. And we kind of have games that we play with the kids. Because the kids who come here, we honestly don't know when the last time they had a meal was. Some of them live out of cars with their parents. And they're super uneducated because their parents don't make it a priority to send their kids to school. So we take time to intentionally make sure that kids feel loved and appreciated when they come to this event. And I'm like, all right, sure. I'm a kids pastor. I'm in kids ministry. I'll go to this table. And I'll never forget just thinking when we're here at church, and this is important, I'm not, I'm not minimizing what we do here, but it's comfortable. We have stage with lights, we have music, we have air conditioning, we have, you know, slides that are cool, videos that are cool, messages that are prepared, leaders who lead small groups every week. We have an awesome message with props and visuals for kids to lock in. We have a memory verse that they can go and do with prizes for them. And it's all important and it's great because we are helping kids lay the foundation of their faith for years to come. And that's important. But I will never forget as I served those kids and just looked at them, they had nothing, but they still had joy. And I just remember God telling me, Morgan, these kids don't need a Bible story. These kids don't need a memory verse to learn. They don't need a prize. They simply need to know that they are loved. They simply need to know that they are loved. And that is how you can be an example of me to them today. Literally just love those kids, learn their names, and make them feel valued because that's how I view them. And I need somebody in this world to tell them that that's how they are valued and viewed. Can you just reflect me to these kids today? And it changed my heart. It changed my heart forever because God took me into a new situation. He expanded my capacity to be able to have a servant's heart for the community around us. So I encourage you guys sign up for a serve day. I'm not even just doing it for a push so we can have so many people show up and serve. I am telling you, it will change your life and it will change the community because there are people in this community who do not know Jesus. And if we are comfortable coming in to these services week out, week in and week out and being filled ourselves and being okay with that, that's not good. We're called to reach the lost and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus literally this is my favorite, these are one of my favorite verses where Jesus kind of does one of those flips where all of his followers were like, oh, can I get all these high rankings and I want to be Jesus' favorite and all this stuff. And Jesus kind of is like, boom, in your face. That's what I always think when I read this verse. So I'm going to read it. It's in Luke 22, it says, Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. Jesus literally says, listen, everything the world teaches you about leadership, about ranking, about self-promotion, about being the best, about being better than everyone around you, about being served instead of serving others, it's not true. If you're going to be a follower of me, we do things differently. And we lower ourselves and we serve others because that is being a true leader and having a true servant's heart. Jesus 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the greatest example of being a servant and having a servant's heart. You can read it in every single story about him in this Bible. It all comes back to the heart of having a servant. It's who Jesus was. And us as Christians, as the body of Christ, as the church, should reflect that as well. We should have the characteristics of Jesus on us. We should be rooted in Christ. It should be who we are so when people see us, they see Jesus. I don't want to be a church where people look at us and they love Jesus, but they don't love his people because we are not people of Christ. We don't reflect Christ and who he truly is. And the last way that we can practically serve is by serving your church. And I would say that I'm not trying to do a selfish plug, but I kind of am because I truly believe that we are called to serve God's church. Um, a pastor once did an illustration. He talked about a battleship versus a cruise ship. So on a cruise ship, I went on a cruise for my honeymoon. And the moment you step on the boat, you don't have to think about anything. You don't have to lift a finger. You don't have to plan or prepare. Everything's done for you. You even have little towels that are in animal shapes every single time you walk in your room. And you're like, when did you even do that? I was gone for five minutes. And it's just there, and the room's clean, and you have a buffet of food. If you don't like Chinese food, then get a burger. If you don't like a burger, you can have Italian. They have everything for you. They have a pool with music, and it's just, it's awesome, and they provide entertainment for you, because heaven forbid you go one second without having something to do. Everything they do is for you, and you have to give nothing in return. But a battleship is completely opposite. On a battleship, Every single person has a specific role. And if they don't do their role right, they weaken the entire ship because what they do contributes to everything else everybody else does. And so when a battleship goes into war, if they are all in alignment and everyone is committed to doing their part with their whole heart and their whole energy, they are strong and hopefully have a chance of winning in battle. But if somebody is not doing their part, they weaken the battleship and now they are in a, in a bad place where they could possibly lose. And this pastor talked about how sometimes the church looks like a cruise ship and it's not supposed to. We're not meant to come into church and I'm now, I'm just going to say, I drink my coffee and eat my donuts. So this is nothing against that. But we're not called to just drink our coffee and eat our donuts and receive and be filled and leave. We're not called to do that. We are called to be on a battleship and God has given every single one of us unique and specific gifts and talents that we are supposed to use to give back to the kingdom of God and to unify as a church body. And when every single one of us fills our role and use our gifts and talents to give back to the church, we become stronger and we can go further and do more and reach more because that's what we are called to do as a church. We are called to reach the lost. So join a battleship. Don't join a cruise ship. It's awesome and it feels great and you get lots of things. But man, when we win together and when we win with heaven, there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. I want to just shout out a few people who are on life teams because there's a lot of people who serve in this church and you might not even know what they do. Um, Pam Holiday, if you guys don't know who she is, she is awesome. Give it up for Pam. <laughs> Pam serves in our kids' ministry, loves on our babies, 
comes in during the week, gives up her time and her energy and her resources to come and help us with administrative things behind the scenes so that every single person through our, who walks through our doors doesn't slip through the cracks ever because that's important to her. She sacrifices and gives. Our youth students, let me just tell you, if you are concerned about the future of the church, at least for this campus, don't be. Because I serve with 25 to 30 youth students every single week and kids, and they show up faithfully ready to not just hang out and have a good time, but to push these kids and, and just show them what it is to go after God with everything they have. And they come and they lead groups and they hang out with these kids and they show them how to worship. Our youth students in this church are leading this church, and it's awesome. Our interns, yeah, give it up for them. We have interns in this church. I have Devin and Marshall who are in kids specifically with me. They are moving around their work schedules, full-time jobs to be able to come in and step into things God has called them to and grow in their gifts and talents to give back to the church in greater ways. Every single week, they do that. They work full-time jobs, they have business, but they choose to step out and say, God, I want you to use me in greater ways, so I'm gonna sacrifice and I'm gonna make this work. Um, Jeff Seymour, he's on the worship team. I told him this a couple weeks, weeks ago. He doesn't just get up here and sing, but he is authentic in his relationship with Jesus and he is vulnerable and he leads on stage and he creates an atmosphere for us to be able to come into the presence of God and have a moment with Jesus on a Sunday morning. And let me tell you, he has a family and he gives up his entire day on Sunday to not be with them, but to be here and sacrifice his time and talents to lead this body. He chooses to give his gifts and talents to strengthen the church so we can be stronger and reach more people for Jesus. There are people all around you in this room who serve and give of their time, energy, and talents because they know it's making a kingdom impact. They are going from being rooted in themselves to being rooted in Jesus, and they're not doing it for their credit or their fulfillment, but they're doing it for God's glory. I encourage you to join a serve team if, or a life team and serve in this church if you are not already on one. So how does this apply to all of us and apply to me? I just have a few things to close for challenge as the worship team makes their way up. Um, we are called to take a step. So this whole series is, is shifting from being a follower to becoming a disciple. And that requires taking steps forward. So maybe you're in the room today and you're like, you know what, Morgan? I need to just have a change of heart. I know it. There's things in my heart that are holding me back from being a servant leader and having a servant's heart for Jesus. And I know that I need God to change me from the inside out. I need him to change my heart. We're going to have the prayer team come up as we worship at the end. Don't leave without getting prayer. Come forward and ask somebody to pray with you because our prayer team wants nothing but to walk alongside of you and believe with you for that. So come forward and get prayer. Maybe you're like, you know what? I've had that change of heart. I think I have a servant's heart. Sign up for Serve Day. Just start with one small thing. Join us and get in our community and love on those around us without expecting anything in return. I'm telling you, watch what God does in your life. I'm telling you, let God fill you as you serve others. Maybe you've been coming here for months or years and you are like, you know what? I get filled all the time, but I think it's time for me to pour back out. I think it's time for me to give my talents, my skills, the gifts God's given me to help strengthen the church and move it forward so we can reach more people for Jesus. Because I know I want more people to go to heaven than the people just sitting in this room. Sign up to serve. 
join a life team. If you don't know where your giftings and passions are, we can help you. Stop at our welcome center. We can help you take spiritual gifts tests, figure out what God has called you to do and get you in the right place. Because you also get community when you do that. You'll begin to build a bond with your church family as you begin to serve. Maybe you're in this room and you've been serving a lot. You sign up for serve day. You serve every single weekend. Thank you. Thank you for giving back to the church. And I just encourage you, like I have to do daily, just be reminded to daily choose to lay down your life and ask God for humility and be rooted in Christ and ask him to give give you his eyes and his heart for people in the church. And I just encourage you to invite people to serve with you. You know people, you have friends in this church. If you know somebody and you see a gift or a talent in somebody, ask them to serve. Help them find their place in the church body. I just want to pray as we close and just ask God to help us to take a step today. He'll speak to you directly. He'll give you a specific step, but a step to go from a follower to one step closer to being a true disciple of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just thank you so much for what you did for us, Jesus. Everything you did came from a heart that was a heart to serve others, God all the way up until the point where you died on a cross for our sins, God, so that we could be saved, so that we can live a life, Lord Jesus, for you. And God, we thank you for that. And I pray right now in this room today that you would speak to us and you would just begin to stir in our hearts and give us a specific step. Show us, Jesus, show us the step we're supposed to take today. Encourage us to have boldness to come get prayer. Encourage us to have a boldness to take a step and get involved in our community and get involved with those around us, Jesus. Begin to just speak to us as we take a step towards you and becoming a true disciple of you, Jesus. In your name, amen. All across this place, let's stand to our feet. We're just gonna enter into a time of worship and worship the true servant of all, the one who died on a cross for us. Let's worship together.